We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Up Show. This is episode 32. We are back after a long hiatus. Uh, we are back talking about the Gamecocks. Got a packed show for you guys today. Uh, Going to be obviously talking about the Outback Bowl coming up on New Year's Day. Uh, also, some recruiting news to go through as well as a little bit of basketball and other Gamecock tidbits as well. So, going to go get into all that. Before we do, as always, make sure you follow us on iTunes at the Spurs Up Show. Be sure to go there, rate, subscribe, tell us you like, tell us you don't like about the show. Uh, we appreciate all the feedback as always. Be sure to go follow us on Twitter at Armchair SCAR. That's going to be at Armchair SCAR. All of your latest breaking game news coverage there uh, on our Twitter account. Also, be sure to go to check us out on Instagram at Armchair S Carolina uh, for all of our posts there. And of course, this is a podcast brought to you by the Armchair All Americans, armchairallamericans.com, localizing your sports coverage content. Be sure to go to armchairallamericans.com uh, for all your latest breaking Gamecock news, the podcast, of course, uh, and all of our other sports coverage there. So, like I said, I'm Chris Phillips. I'm joined as always by my colleague, Tyler Clark. Like I said, it's been a while, Tyler. We haven't been on uh, in about a month just before the Clemson game. There were some technical difficulties we had to go through with myself. Um, had some things I kind of had to shift around, get a new laptop. But we are finally back just in time to preview the Gamecocks matchup against Michigan in the Outback Bowl. Um, before we get anything, Tyler, ask how you been? How's everything been? I guess we've gone through Thanksgiving, Christmas now. Uh, so how's your holiday season been? And uh, was Santa good to you this year? Santa was good to me. Uh, been busy. Uh, this last month has been absolutely crazy. We've gone from holidays, just normal life stuff. We've gone through the game. We've gone through bowl season. We've gone through an, er, a weird early recruiting season, which is super weird, and I never got used to it. Um, a lot of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of where we're going to start off first with the uh, early recruiting cycle, like you said. Kind of a different – Different feel this year, but really had the same kind of feel as National Signing Day. I mean, it was uh, the same type of hype around. And really, I think most guys signed for pretty much every school. I mean, South Carolina had 20 signees. I know, you know, a lot of schools now are trying to get as many signees in as they can, you know, early on. Um, but, yeah, I think it was a pretty productive productive day for the Gamecocks. Had 20 signees overall, I believe, was the, was the tally. They've got room for about four or five more guys. Obviously, they have a couple – couple more commitments they're looking to sign in uh, in February. But, you know, just talking a little bit, Tyler, you know, I thought some of the highlights, obviously the big flip the Gamecocks got from three-star outside linebacker, uh, Rosendo Lewis from Florida State. Uh, I believe he's an Under Armour All-American, uh, him and also center Hank Manos that South Carolina signed as well. But getting Rosendo Lewis to flip from Florida State, that was a guy they were heavily on. Um, a guy I know that Will Muschamp wanted, kind of one of his guys, he said that, you know, is really going to fit in on his defense. Uh, you know, definitely the – 
Jimbo Fisher saga with him leaving definitely helped South Carolina in that respect. Um, you know, and then also getting, you know, what I thought was sort of a surprise signing from offensive lineman, Jovan Gwynn, uh, six foot three, 290 out of Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, a really athletic uh, offensive lineman should be a guy that's going to provide a lot of depth at offensive line. Uh, Tyler, obviously you wrote the kind of the recruiting recap article, you know, talk about kind of your thoughts on signing day and were there any surprises or any, uh, you know, just kind of your impressions of what you thought of the early signing period. Um, like you said, Jovan Gwynn was interesting because, um, going into Will Muschamp's press conference, um, you could you could count the guys that had already signed uh, and that were official, and there were 19. And then at the beginning of his his conference, he said 20. So you're sitting there just kind of a mystery. You're like, who's the 20th guy? And you have no idea. And he just randomly goes, Javon Gwynn. And so you have literally no clue. Um, it was pretty cool. Um, I didn't know a whole lot about him. You could look him up, and holy crap, he's just a huge – like physical, strong, like freak athlete uh, kid. That's going to be uh, interesting to look. I think he was down to uh, to South Carolina and North Carolina State. A lot of guys were, it seemed like, from this class. Um, but the class is it, – it's just different, it seems, from, from last year, I think in a good way, um, because it seems like they were there for the whole cycle, uh, through the recruiting cycle. So they were able to, you know, go through and get guys that – uh, they really wanted or that weren't already, you know, not committed, but, you know, just looking at one school or two schools and it's already too late to flip them. Um, so in that aspect, you can see uh, just from the two years press conferences, the guys that he likes so much more out of this class than I think he did last year. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I definitely think the benefit, you know, or at least this year, the benefit for South Carolina in the early signing period was, you know, the ability to flip due to coaching changes. You know, they said that the early signing period, you know, it's a great thing unless you're going through a coaching change. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty around the program. I think you saw that with Florida State, um, for sure, with Willie Taggart coming in. Um, but, yeah, South Carolina really, you know, reaped the benefits with getting a guy like a Rosendo Lewis. And, you know, because I think if that one goes to February, they might actually have the ability to kind of sway him and keep him committed. Um, but, you know, it worked out for the Gamecocks' favor. Just going through really briefly the signees. You know, you've got Josh Van, a speedster wide receiver we talked about over the summer. Should be a guy, I think, that's going to make an immediate impact. Like you wrote, he picked Gamecocks uh, over Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, Michigan. So, you know, a ton of ton of big names there. To carry on, Joyner, the four-star quarterback out of North Charleston, um, should be a guy that comes in and battles over the next couple of years for the quarterback spot. Um, J.C. Horn, that was a huge signing, I thought, as well. Should be a guy that has a chance to play immediately, immediately sort of like uh, – like Jam Williams did, um, really, really big. Also, the son of Joe Horn, I really didn't plug that together until actual signing day came, but the son of Joe Horn, so NFL ties. Uh, Israel Mukwamu, the safety out of Louisiana originally. I uh, grew up in South Carolina, but out of Louisiana. Um, really big pickup. He's a six foot five safety, which is very, very interesting. That's going to be awesome. Um, another flip from Florida State. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy. Um, you know, that's his size. It, that's the thing I think that, you know, like you wrote – really just jumps off the page for the Gamecocks. Um, should make a really big impact in that secondary as well. You know, I think that's something they really focused on this this recruiting cycle was the secondary. I mean, you lose, you know, Jamarcus King, Chris Lamond. You don't know if Rashad Fenton's really coming back, even though I think he should. Um, you know, DJ Smith's gone as well. So, you know, definitely focus on the secondary. Jonathan Gibson, another cornerback. Um, again, we already talked about Rosendo Lewis. Kingsley and – let me say his last name. Kingsley – 
Nagbar, I guess that's how you say his last name. Close really enough. good defensive end out of Atlanta. Um, 6'4", 257. Should be a guy that comes in again. You know, a lot. The, I think the big theme with these guys, especially on defense, is, hey, you're going to have a chance to play early. I mean, that's, that's South Carolina's biggest selling point right now, I think, until, you know, they develop the depth they're looking to build. Um, we talked about Jovan Gwynn. You know, Maxwell Yama, another um, – Another kind of underrated offensive lineman, I thought six foot three oh five should six foot five three oh five, excuse me, um, should provide again much needed depth. Uh, Deshaun Fimwick, running back out of Bradenton, Florida. I heard the staff was really high on him. Great pickup at running back there. Um, again, Hank Manos ranked the eighth best center in the country. I've heard you know from other sources that the Gamecocks think of him as the best center in the country. Six foot five two seventy was in the Shrine Bowl. Under Armour All-American, um, you know, with Allen not graduating, kind of like he wrote, Tyler, he's going to have a chance to play early and often. Um, Levante Valentine, 10-4, 100-yard dash in the state of Florida. Um, definitely a guy that, you know, seems like the kind of guy that, you know, if he gets the ball in open space, should be able to take it the distance, which is something that I don't think South Carolina's had. Maybe since Ace Sanders. I mean, it's been a while since. That's what it feels been, like. Yeah, with that kind of breakaway speed, so – um, should be very interesting to see how he can fit in. Uh, Tyquan Johnson, kind of a guy I thought that flew under the radar wide receiver. I think he's about six foot four. Should provide some good uh, good size on the outside for South Carolina. Uh, Jabari Ellis, D tackle out of Georgia Military College, definitely a guy that I know that Will Muschamp had on his radar and had, like you said, had on his want list since his senior year at Lake Marion High School. Six two two eighty. Um, Jesus Gibbs, offensive tackle, another good O lineman pickup for the Gamecocks. Uh, Ernest Jones, outside linebacker, uh, good pickup there as well, providing depth at you know, the linebacker position, obviously, with losing Sky Moore uh, this season. Um, and then you have Wyatt Campbell, another good offensive line pickup, um, a guy that, you know, Eric Wolford was really high on. He chose the, he chose the Gamecocks over Virginia Tech, um, so a pretty highly regarded player there. Uh, R.J. Roderick was another guy I was really high on, too, the safety. Another big dude, kind of like Israel Mukwamu. Not quite that tall, but um, should be a guy that comes in and has a chance to play immediately. Then you look at guys like Darius Rush, the wide receiver. Um, Another guy, kind of a speedster, if you will, kind of a do-it-all guy. He was a quarterback, running back, and wide receiver, defensive back, and a kick returner in high school. So, um, you know, definitely a guy that's very athletic, has the ability to play multiple positions. Be interesting to see how he's going to fit in. Uh, and then finally, you've got uh, Tyreek Johnson, the defensive end. So, um, you know, he was initially part of the 2017 recruiting class, but he tore his labor and was forced out of season. Um, definitely had a great year. Um, you know, should be very interesting to see how he fits in as well. So, and you know, obviously, like we said, the Gamecocks should have four or five more guys signed in February. I think kind of the headline of that, Group right now is going to be Bryce Thompson, the uh, the kid out of Dutch Fork, who had a huge Shrine Bowl game. But I know they're really high on. I know that uh, I believe it was Steve Tannehill said he thought he was the best, or maybe it was the head coach of Dutch Fork said he thought he was the best player he ever coached. Yeah, it was. Um, he won. That's an impressive uh, statement there. Yeah, I yeah, watched absolutely. Him play the, the players state championship game at Williams Bryce, and that was one of the best performances I've ever seen. You know, just from a talent standpoint, but I think I think he had an even bigger Shrine Bowl. Uh, than the state championship game. Yeah, he had like in the Shrine Bowl, I saw he had like three catches for 140 yards and two touchdowns in the first yeah. half. He's that kind of guy. You know, from what I've heard, everyone's been ranting and raving on him, talking about how good he is. So, I mean, it's, you know, definitely a good sign there. And then obviously the Gamecocks are hoping to steal a couple guys. You're talking about Dorian Gerald, 
Um, you know, a couple other defensive line commits that for some reason are escaping my mind right now. Um, you know, definitely going to be a chance to fill this class out, make it a pretty nice recruiting class. I think the Gamecocks are around 17th or 18th right now. Um, I think if you can, you know, really if you stay there in the top 20, but especially if you can get like the top 15, it, it, I think it'd be a great, great recruiting class for Will Muschamp and, you know, just providing the program more positive momentum moving in the right direction. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, it'll be interesting to see who that – because it seems like they only have one room, or room for one more guy. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they work that uh, for the next couple months. I would assume they already have their guy and they're just waiting on a commitment. Um, I, don't, I just don't know what to expect from that other guy, whether it's going to be a surprise or not. But uh, we'll see in February. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, overall, you know, I took a poll on Twitter. How would you grade the um, Gamecocks recruiting class at this point? I think everyone, I think it was about 70% rated as a B, which I think is a really fair, you know, a fair ranking. I mean, like I said, you're you're a team still coming off two years ago, um, a three and nine record, and you're able to recruit at this level. And people forget, you know, even when South Carolina was winning 11 games every year, I mean, they didn't have top five, even really top 10 recruiting classes. It was just solid top 15, top 20 classes, and they were able to coach those guys up because, I mean, as we all know, <clears throat> stars are great and everything. I mean, they don't mean everything. You know, just because you're a four-star or a five-star doesn't mean you're going to pan out. And, you know, there's been a plenty of South Carolina players that have gone on to the NFL or, you know, had great careers as Gamecocks that were two-star and three-star recruits. So, um but yeah, I mean, I think overall you got to be pleased as a Gamecock fan. I mean, they definitely addressed a lot of needs on defense. Uh, I felt like it was a pretty heavily defense recruiting class, if you will, but still picked up some key pieces on offense. I, you know, I look again at a guy like Josh Van, who I think is a guy that probably has the best chance to come in and make an immediate impact for sure. Um, and then again, to carry on Joiner, I don't expect him to play next year. I still think it'll be Jake Bentley's team, but should definitely be a guy who pushes Jake Bentley at least, you know, in the, uh, in the off season. The great thing about this is, you know, like we mentioned, um, these guys are going to be coming in a lot of, a lot of them are going to be enrolling in January and going to be taking part in spring practice and everything. So that is the huge benefit of uh, the early recruiting cycle. And I think it's going to put even more emphasis on kind of freshman playing early. I mean, when you've had that, you know, full off season workout and spring practice, you're able to learn the playbook. It's going to help guys get in much quicker. So you know, should be interesting to see what happens come uh, come 2018. So, with that being said, we're going to jump into it with the Outback Bowl. The Gamecocks take on Michigan on Monday, New Year's Day, the first game of a loaded New Year's Day schedule. Um, noon Eastern kickoff in Tampa, Florida at Raymond James Stadium. The game's on ESPN2. Uh, right now, Michigan sits as a 7.5-point favorite, over-unders at 43, most expecting a pretty low-scoring game. Um Overall, the teams have only met three times. South Carolina does lead the series two to one. And the last meeting, Tyler, obviously, I think we all remember the hit with Jadavion Clowney, the, the uh, questionable, putting it nicely, questionable measurement on fourth down in which <laughs> the ref said that, you know, Michigan got it. And obviously the next play, we all know what happened with uh, the hit, which was made infamous and is something you'll probably see replayed a hundred times before South Carolina and Michigan play each other. Uh, well, people forget about that game. Though. South Carolina won that game 33-28. Last-second touchdown pass by Dylan Thompson came in and hit hit uh, Bruce Ellington on kind of like a four verticals, if you will. And, you know, Bruce got, you know, kind of in between the safety and linebacker, made the catch. And 
it was just a great win for South Carolina. So um, Michigan, hit, coached by, of course, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, they went eight and four this year with a five and four conference record. Definitely didn't meet up the expectations. Um, you know, they were obviously looking for, but um, sort of a disappointing year. Another loss to Ohio State. Um, you know, before we get into breaking everything down, Tyler, talk about kind of your, you know, initial reactions to finding out the Gamecocks are going to the Outback Bowl again and sort of your initial, your your feelings going into this game facing a, you know, pretty talented Michigan team. Um, I definitely love the Outback Bowl. Um, it was interesting to see some people on Twitter uh, didn't want to go back to the Outback Bowl. I mean, I, I think it's an awesome bowl game. I think Gamecocks have done pretty well in the Outback Bowl in their history. Uh, playing Michigan is, is awesome, too. Um, even more people didn't like that. But I feel like if you're going to match it up, I feel like Michigan's a team that, you know, is similar to the style of South Carolina where your offense kind of sucks, uh, but you make your living on defense. So it'll be that kind of game. Um, you know, normally this year when we've had, you know, point spreads, we've tended to disagree or on the total most mostly. But I think the total is about right this game. I really think this game is going to be just awful to watch and just – you know, brutal and boring, uh, which which I look forward to. I like that. I like those kind of games. Uh, but this one's going to be this one's going to be interesting, and it gives you a chance to go against uh, one of the best coaches in all of football, uh, not just college football. So you have that going for you. You have, you know, everyone's going to be watching this game because it'll be, you know, the start to one of the probably the best day in college football history. Uh, I mean, I feel like that's a fair assumption. Uh, Monday is going to be awesome. Uh, and luckily, we get out of the way first, and we get to watch all the games uh, later on. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's going to be a great day. Obviously, the playoff gets it gets going that day as well. You've got the, uh, I believe, the Peach Bowls that day with Auburn and UCF is like 30 minutes after South Carolina's kickoff. So it's going to be a fun day. But I agree with you. I think the totals, you know, pretty much right on. I think it's going to be that kind of game. I don't see this being kind of one of those games where it's a surprisingly high scoring game. I just can't really envision that right now, but yeah, I mean, I definitely think, I mean, Hey, the Outback bowl, you know, South Carolina's obviously been there a ton, but there's nothing wrong going to the Outback bowl. There's no shame in that, especially in Will Muschamp's second year. I mean, we're recording this live right now on uh, December the 29th, you know, the, the uh, belt bowl is about to take place right outside my apartment and it's 30 degrees in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I think uh, Gamecock fans are a lot worse. You could be playing in, frigid cold weather South Carolina is going to get some good weather down in Tampa Florida it's probably going to be in the probably the 60s or 70s I imagine on the low side so you know <laughs> count your blessings on that end but uh but yeah definitely awesome when you can take on you know the winningest program in college football history I mean I just definitely think especially on that day like you said New Year's Day is going to be a day where everyone's going to be watching college football and for South Carolina to kind of get out there, obviously against one of the winningest, the winningest program, and uh, get that exposure does nothing but positive things, especially if you can find a way to pull off the win. Um, so moving into it, you know, like I mentioned, I thought I think South Carolina. I think we can all agree, Tyler. South Carolina had a year in which, you know, was really above expectations. It was ugly at times. It was hard to watch at times. But the Gamecocks got it done for an eight and four record. Five and three in the conference. First time they've got they've had a winning record in the SEC since 2013. First time they've had you know anywhere near eight wins. Dean and Michigan. You know, in contrast, I think their year was definitely below expectations. I don't really remember where they were preseason ranked, but they started off the year with a miserable game against Florida. Uh, Wilton Spate threw two interceptions that were returned for touchdowns. They lost that game and sort of 
you know, kind of deflated all the preseason hype they had received. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh definitely was leading that hype train with his, you know, crazy antics in the offseason. But, uh, you know, it's been a definitely a contrast, definitely a different feeling between the two fan bases. You know, I'll ask you, Tyler, because I definitely think it's worth it. It's a talking point, especially in these bowl games where, you know, you don't really know who, you know, which team's really going to come ready to play, who's not. You know, do you think that, you know, do you think South Carolina will come more motivated and more ready to play than Michigan due to, you know, per se, this being, you know, a, a victory for South Carolina is just going to put, you know, the icing on the cake for, for South Carolina season, really, whereas Michigan, maybe it's not a bowl game they necessarily want to be in. Do you think that factors in at all in the game Monday? Um, first, kind of have to correct you here, Michigan won that game by 16 against Florida. That's right. They did win that. Yeah, but it, I, but it was awful, win. and there was no way Florida should have been that close because it wasn't that close for – I mean, it was really close for most of that game. Um, but I don't think Michigan could come in here – or not come in here – or, but going to uh, the Outback Bowl, not ready to play because of who their coach is. I think I think Jim Harbaugh has this kind of uh, pride about himself and pride about his team, where he would never let anything like that happen because he doesn't want to put up with uh, what comes with it afterwards. But I think you know a lot of other teams in the same position would be, you know, not ready or just not want to play. But this one specifically, I think, is a different situation just because of Harbaugh. Yeah, I tend to agree with you in that sense. I definitely think Harbaugh and Will Muschamp definitely have some parallels, and I think they're both kind of guys that will have their teams ready to play. But it is an interesting talking point. I don't know. I I mean, I think definitely because of Harbaugh, they're going to have to be ready to play. He's going to get them into gear. But, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see how fired up they really come out. Um, You know, obviously some of the big news that we hadn't talked about yet but is definitely worth noting, the Gamecocks fired Kurt Roper. Um, to our to our satisfaction and to most of Gamecock Nation's satisfaction, Kurt Roper was relieved of his duties weeks ago, beginning of the month, if you will. Um, Brian McClendon has taken over the offensive coordinator position, the play calling duties, if you will, for the time being. Um, you know, Will Muschamp's kind of calling in an extended interview, if you will. Uh, Bobby Bentley is coaching quarterbacks. You've got, I believe. Uh, Brian McClendon, I think, is still working wide receivers. I think Pat Washington had moved to coaching running backs. But either way, Brian McClendon has taken over the offensive coordinator reins. I mean, obviously, Will Muschamp cited a lack of production, you know, that he wants to move a lot faster. They just weren't productive enough under Roper, which I know that we all agree with. Um, You know, Tyler, I'm really interested to see how those changes are going to affect, you know, the game plan against Michigan, just because of the sense that, you know, South Carolina try to move a lot faster. I expect to see some creative wrinkles. I I don't expect to see, you know, Hayden Hurst come in motion for the same exact run play every single time to run it up the middle as we saw all season. But I'm not sure how much we're really going to be able to take away from, you know, Brian McClendon's play calling or the revamped offense because of the vaunt, you know, the, the talented, talented Michigan defense. I mean, it's definitely their best unit. I'm really interested to see kind of how South Carolina matches up with them. Yeah, uh, I really like that Brian McClendon's going to be the uh, interim guy. I just feel like uh, his history really sets up um, possibly being, you know, promoted to offensive coordinator next year. Um, I don't know how much could change just from a bowl season, how many plays you could change, but I think the in-game adjustments are going to be different, and I think that they can notice a lot of things differently. Um I guess that the pre that Kurt Roper did and that just didn't want to change during a game. Um, 
most team did say that McClendon's going to be in the press box, which I like. Not in the press box, but up top. Um, I really like that. Um, but for like uh, f- more future reference, uh, if he is promoted, I feel like uh, you're getting a guy uh, that can really recruit the guys he wants and get whoever he wants. Because if you go to his his recruiting profile in uh, 247 Sports, these are his top six recruits that he's gotten. Isaiah Crowell, Keith Marshall, Sonny Michelle, Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley, Jamias Williams. Uh, it's pretty pretty insane. He did pretty good work for Georgia, same yeah. to say. Yeah, so I feel like you're getting a guy that has a lot of respect around uh, around the country pretty much or with any kind of offensive guys that he wants. So I feel like uh, if he puts up a, a decent showing here um, and there are really no other openings uh, that Mustad wants, I feel like he'd be a, a great fit for you know full-time offensive coordinator. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I don't know how much this game is going to play into. Does McClendon get the job or do they I go outside? Zero percent. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I just think, I, you know, I, I I like McClendon. I definitely, like you said, he definitely has the pedigree. And I think no matter what happens, he's going to stay on staff and be still like a vital part of the staff for sure. Um, I think with a hire this important, I think they may look outside the program just because – you know, as everyone knows, and of course, Will Muschamp knows, this is this is going to be kind of his career-defining hire. I think. I mean, it really is. I mean, he's, you know, we all know the the history of Muschamp, his teams, their lack of ability to score on offense. I just think this hire is going to be kind of the one that, okay, if you get this one right, you know, versus if you get this one wrong, it's really going to tell the tale of his, really, probably his coaching career, if you will. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see what they're going to do. Like I said, you know, Michigan has got an extremely talented defense. It's the best unit on their team for sure. I think they're like third in the country in overall defense. Um, they've got a lot of big athletes up there. Um, Carolina's definitely got to be creative in the run game. I mean, they did show some vulnerability against the run in their last three games. I think it was um, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Ohio State were able to really run all over them. Um you know, so Tyler, I'm really interested to just kind of see the creativity in the run game. Rico Dowdle uh, was thought to be back. I think he's still going to be out. Will Muschamp said they don't really expect him to play. But you get A.J. Turner back. You've got Tyson Williams. you got Mon Denson. Uh, I'm going to be really interested to see how Brian McClendon is able to use those guys. And, you know, obviously, like I said, just be creative in the running game. I think that was the biggest fault of Kurt Roper was just the predictability that, you know, that that lingered with him. So I think if you can get some creativity in the run game, I, I definitely think the Michigan showed they can be run on. Um, you know, it's going to be up to the guys up front, obviously, with Corey Helms, Zach Bailey, Alan Knott, those guys to uh, to open the holes, pave the way. But, um, you know, I definitely think we're going to see a lot more like jet sweep type stuff. I even heard from a source that the Gamecocks are practicing a speed option in practice down in Tampa. So definitely something we didn't see all year. You might see a little bit more of Jake Bentley running as well, kind of trying to keep him off balance. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of the play calling and how South Carolina tries to attack that talented defensive line. Um, you know, looking at Michigan, Tyler, you know, they had their own troubles on offense, especially at quarterback for sure. They went through Wilton Spate. Uh, John O'Corn also came in as well. Now they're on their third quarterback, Brandon Peters, who played four games earlier in the year, um, was able to do some okay things for him. He only threw about 460 yards. I mean, he wasn't asked to do a whole lot, really leaned on the running game. Um, you know, obviously South Carolina's defense has 
bailed them out of a lot of bad situations this year, has won a lot of games for them, let's be honest. I mean, South Carolina scored 17 points or less in, what, half their games this year. Um, and the defense has really rose to the challenge. I, I guess the question to you is, Tyler, do you think the defense has one more big game in them? And, uh, you know, do you think that the defense can pull out a – pull out a performance where they can carry this team to victory on on Monday. Oh, absolutely. Because if you go, if you go watch any of Michigan's game, I will say, I, I don't know that much about Michigan at all, but I've watched them play maybe three times this year. Every single time I've watched them, they've had just horrendous quarterback play where they throw picks uh, at the one yard line, just anywhere on the field. Um, anytime they need a pass, I feel like, you know, opposing defenses, all they have to do is just blitz on um, the quarterbacks just freak out. Um, so, yeah, as long as you stop the run, um, I, I feel like there's zero threat vertically in this game. So if you can stop the run, I feel like South Carolina's faced a lot more uh, rushing attacks that I, that I was more afraid of than Michigan's. So I feel like the defense is going to hold their own extremely well in this game, uh, and I think it'll be more up to the offense because, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how many scores it's going to take to beat Michigan, but I don't think it's going to be a lot. And I feel like the same. It's the same way the other way around. Yeah, this is. I think this is one of those games where if you can, for either side, if you can get out to a ten nothing, fourteen nothing lead, I mean, it might be almost too much to overcome. I mean, like you said, I think, I think twenty one might be enough to win this game. I mean, for either side. So, um, you know, it should be interesting. Like I said, you know, most people are expecting a low scoring game, close game. That's reflected in the over under being at forty three. I will say, Tyler, the one thing that does kind of scare me, have to bring it up, you know, is the kicking game. Yeah. Trying to make a kick in a clutch situation. I mean, struggles, obviously, throughout the year. Um, you know, I think one of the big keys, like we talk about, you know, pretty much every game, but especially this one, is going to be when you get in the red zone, are you able to convert touchdowns instead of field goals? I mean, I just don't think this is a game where you want to get into a field goal battle, if you will. I'm not really familiar with Michigan's kicking situation, but – I can't imagine that it's much worse than South Carolina's. So, um, you know, it, it should, should be interesting to see how much champ handles that. I mean, I think in a bowl game, especially, you know, if you're at the, if you're at the 30 yard line, I think it's just a situation you just kind of have to go for it. If you got less than fourth and five, I mean, I, I just think that why not, you know, roll the dice. I mean, I just, I don't know how much you can rely on the foot of Parker white all day. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they attack that. So we're going to move into some key matchups, Tyler. I'll go ahead and start with my first one. Um, I've got USC linebacker Sky Moore against Michigan quarterback Brandon Peters. You know, definitely think this is a huge matchup as far as, you know, Peters being the young young quarterback, young signal caller. I know he's a guy that's been highly regarded by Michigan fans. He's been a guy they wanted in there. Really big kid, six foot five, two twenty. 220. Um, like I said, played in four games, really limited action. He went out against Wisconsin with a concussion which caused him to miss the Ohio State game. But he's back for this one. Um, but Sky Moore comes in this game, as we all know, tied for the you know South Carolina record, 14 interceptions. One more would set the record for him. I definitely think it's going to be a game where he's going to have an opportunity to record and you know have an impact in his last game in Garnet and Black. Yeah, so I'm looking at your, uh, your list right here, and I think I would go the exact same three. So I'll, I'll let you finish it out here. Yeah, yeah. So my second one, um, I've got the South Carolina running backs, and you could really plug an offensive line here as well, but South Carolina running backs against Michigan defensive tackle Rashawn Gary. Um, Rashawn Gary's a guy, you know, really big presence in the middle, um, definitely a run stopper for the Wolverines, just one of the 
many options they have up front that can, uh, you know, that can plug the middle for sure. But like we said, you know, Michigan has been exposed in the running game. I think it's going to take a little bit of creativity, a little creative play calling to kind of get those running lanes open, um, get Michigan kind of off balance, you know, probably throw in some motion. Um, it's going to be probably collective effort. A.J. Turner, Tyson Williams, Mon Denson. Finding the guy with the hot hand is something that hopefully South Carolina will be able to do with McClendon calling the shots. Um, so, you know, Rashawn Gary, again, a guy that it should be, you know, probably a pretty high draft pick, um, you know, when he does declare. So, uh, be very interesting to see that matchup. And then finally, I've got South Carolina defensive tackle Taylor Stallworth against Michigan running back Karan Higdon. Higdon, a guy who's just under 1,000 yards rushing on the season. Um, Taylor Stallworth, again, in his last game in Garnet and Black as a senior. You know, definitely just going to be a huge matchup. You know, it leads me into why it's such a huge matchup and one of my keys to the game stopping the run. The Gamecocks, Tyler, I, I just learned this the other day, and I was shocked and I heard it. The Gamecocks are 8-0 and when they hold their opponents to under 184 rush yards, which 184 rush yards seems like a pretty good bit. Um, you know, and you'd feel like South Carolina should have a good chance to do that today, but, you know, you think about the game South Carolina lost. Clemson ran for way more than 184. Georgia, way more. Texas A&M had a good day on the ground. And then, um, oh, God, who's Kentucky. the fourth one? Yeah, forget. Kentucky. They, they had a huge day. Benny Snell had a huge day as well. Um, so, I mean, it's just going to be a huge game. I and, mean, you know, we talk about it a lot, but stopping the run and being able to run the football is key. Um, Taylor Stallworth is going to need to have a big day against Karan Higdon, you know, plugging those running holes up the middle, you know, kind of blowing plays up and also getting in the face of Brandon Peters as well. But it's going to be really vital for South Carolina to, you know, have a big day up front. Those seniors, again, Stallworth, Ulrich Jones, Dante Sawyer, also mixing in Javon Kinlaw, Kobe Smith. So going to be key for those. Chris, if you can hear me, I can't hear you at all. It's not registering that you're talking.
Nothing. Can you hear me? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Hello. Oh, something, something came through. Technical difficulties there. I do apologize. Not sure what just happened. But, yeah, I'm not sure where we cut out. But, yeah, we'll go back to the keys of the game. So, like, yeah, like I said, Tyler, just stopping the run. Um, the new look on offense for South Carolina and then winning the turnover battle, I think, are the three, in my opinion, for South Carolina to win the win this game, you know, be Outback Bowl champions again. Yeah, turnover battle, I feel like the one. I feel like one – one to two turnovers can lose this game in a heartbeat. Um, I think, yeah, whoever wins turnover battle wins the game 10 million percent, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And I wasn't sure if you heard the stat I put or stat I said earlier, but I think definitely stopping the runs a huge one, especially you know, Michigan's got the young quarterback and Brandon Peters. Um, so I think they're going to rely pretty heavily on the run game. South Carolina, though, eight and oh, um, when they hold their opponents under 84 yeah. yards, rushing. yeah, pretty crazy that. stat. That's pretty cool. Um, and it, yeah, it's insane. And then, again, the new look on offense, I think this is a game where you get the 21 points, might be, might do enough to win it. Um, so being able to be creative, play fast, play efficiently, and just kind of keep Michigan on their toes. I mean, when you have a defense this good, you're not going to be able to just line up and tell them what's coming and beat them. I think you're going to have to be creative, um, get a little innovative, and that's something that I think – I'm sure Brian McClendon and those guys are, are preaching in bowl prep, so – uh, should be pretty interesting. You know, with that being said, we're going to move right into the predictions. Tyler, make our predictions for the Outback Bowl first and start it. You know, who wins the Outback Bowl, you know, on Monday? Who who uh, who takes home the trophy? All right, so I think there are going to be some field goals involved somehow uh, in this game, whether they're chip shots or they just don't want to kick it or, I mean, uh, go forward inside like a goal line situation. Because I feel like Michigan's goal line defense or red zone defense is going to be just through the roof. Um. So there are going to be some field goals. There's going to be a late touchdown somehow from South Carolina to come through 20 to 13, killing the under, just smoking it, covering the under. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. Um, I, I like that a lot. Definitely. I think a lot of people are going to be taking the under for sure. Um, so, yeah, I released my preview today. Um, you know, I think this is a really interesting game. Like I said, I agree with you what you said earlier that it is – it's a good matchup for South Carolina. I think it's the best Big Ten team they could have drawn, uh, teams that are really similar. Um, you know, I take a look at this game. You know, I take a look at Michigan, look at South Carolina. Um, I think there's definitely a lot of unknown, unknowns for South Carolina on the offensive side of the football. You know, they've definitely got the the playmakers to get it done. However, I'm kind of waiting see mode with Brian McClendon and kind of what he's been able to establish and – you know, install in a really short span. Um, I do expect South Carolina's defense to have a really good day against Brandon Peters. Um, again, I think it's going to be kind of a slugfest. I don't know how many field goals are going to be involved. I think there's going have to have to be a couple. But I think it's a game that gonna come, is going to come down to the wire. However, I've got Michigan just edging out South Carolina 20-17. to 17. I'm just kind of in a wait-and-see mode with the offense. Um, you know, need to see something out of them. I mean, I think it's a it's a game where I think it's literally a flip of a coin. I think both teams have a great shot. I mean, again, Michigan's a, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, so make of that what you will. But um, the the one matchup I don't like in this game is South Carolina's offensive line against Michigan's D-line. I think it'll be really interesting to see how they match up. I, I really don't like the matchup a whole lot. Um, 
but we'll see. But I've got the Michigan Wolverines beating South Carolina 20 to 17. You know, I definitely don't want to understate the importance of this game too, though. I think a win for South Carolina would be absolutely huge and just continuing that momentum. And I think it would lead to some pretty big expectations for 2018 as well. So we'll see what happens again. The teams square off noon on Monday in the Outback Bowl should be a lot of fun to start to a, you know, action-packed New Year's Day for sure. We'll all be watching. Um, so, as always, we do have some listener questions. Tyler, we're going to start from Twitter, uh, at Armchair FSU, our Florida State Armchair account. Um, they, they asked over-under on the amount of combined turnovers. Um, I'm guessing they're asking how many turnovers do, they, do we think they'll be combined. Um, I think the number will be fairly low. I'm saying I'd put the over-under at about two and a half. I mean, I think that's a, yeah. a fair number. But South Carolina, again, they've been pretty good at not turning the football over. I mean, Michigan, I don't I don't know they're going to let Brandon Peters really put it in harm's way. I mean, you hope so. I'd, I'd love to see that. I think if you get Michigan in third and longs, you can force them to throw the football. But, yeah, I'd put it at like two and a half. I'd be really surprised if this was, you know, a lot of turnovers in this game. I think Michigan is going to get to a point, and South Carolina, I think South Carolina going to throw the ball a lot in this game. But uh, – they're going to throw the ball. They're going to have to. Um, there hasn't been many teams that South Carolina's played where they just haven't thrown the ball. Uh, we thought Georgia was just going to pound it the entire game. Uh, they did not. And Jake Fromm beat us with his arm. But I don't think Michigan's quarterback can, can beat South Carolina with his arm. Um, so I think they're, he's going to throw a pick or two. Sky Moore's going to break the all-time interception record, by the way. I forgot to add that in my prediction. Yeah, but I think two and a half is a good number for turnovers. I'd go two with Michigan, one at South Carolina. Yeah, there's nothing more I'd love to see than Scott Moore seal the game with an interception and break the uh, <clears throat> break the record for sure. I think they're going to do, you know, I think he's, I know he's going to do everything he can, obviously break that record. Um, another question from Twitter, another uh, armchair account asks, is armchair Ole Miss a couple of funny questions, I guess. Will there be any knocking off of helmets? Can you design a play where you throw a pass out of bounds that hits Harbaugh, and will there be more than 30 combined points? Um, I I don't know if there will be the hit, too. I don't know. There's not a Jadavion Clowney on the field, so my uh, my gut tells me no, there won't be. Um, Can you design a play where you throw a pass out of bounds that hits Harbaugh? I'm sure everyone would love that, however. I highly doubt it. But you never know with Jake Bentley. I think he might just do that on accident, to be honest. I don't know if you really need to design that, if you will. but will there be more than 30 combined points? I'm going to say yes. I don't think it'll be that low scoring. I think, you know, like I said, 20 to 17, uh, 20 to 13 type game for sure. I, I don't think it'll be quite that low scoring when it'll go under 30. So um, we'll move to the next question from Reddit at Apocalyptic Spock. Who would be your ideal hire for OC? Is Mark Helfrich even a possibility? Tyler, I'll let you start. Do you have any do you have any guys that would be ideal, you know, in your mind that you've thought of or I don't know ideal. Uh, I've seen a lot about UCLA's offensive coordinator who I think spent some time with uh, the Jaguars in the NFL. Um, Toledo's I can't remember his name. I know his last name's Clark because we share a name. Uh but that kind of goes out the window when they lost uh, 34 nothing in their bowl game to Appalachian State. Um, so I don't, I don't know how much, uh, how much South Carolina is going to still be looking at him. Um, you know, I saw um, yesterday Matt Canada said that uh, he wasn't going to return to LSU. 
and I've seen a lot of interest there, but I don't, I just don't see that. No, he, he has a lot of the um, motion slow uh, type offenses. I don't know if he was slow at Pittsburgh, but there's just, it just doesn't seem like it's a fit at South Carolina because most champ, you know, I feel like he wants to get the ball going and move it down the field. Um, so I don't know how much weight will be put on uh, Matt Canada. It'd be a good hire, um, but I don't think it's, you know, the right fit. Um, so we'll just wait and see. I wouldn't be mad at Brian McClendon, but I can't say that right now without having watched him coach a game. I'm not saying that, you know, this game has any leeway or it's like a, an audition, um, but you got to see something. Um, something's got to happen, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't think it'll have a huge impact, but I definitely think if South Carolina comes out and scores 35 points and has 450 yards of offense, I definitely think he's he's going to vaunt himself up there to almost where you ha- you know can't say no to the guy. Um, with me, I you know I don't really have an ideal name. Like you said, there's been a ton of names thrown around. I'm just more so focused on get a guy in you know into South Carolina that's going to spread you know spread the offense out run fast tempo, you know, a guy that's going to run kind of a modern offense. I don't really care who the guy is per se. I mean, you obviously like someone with a, with a track record of successful offenses, but I think it's more so get the guy in who's going to bring in the right scheme. I think that's even almost almost more important than who the who the actual person is. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, we won't know the offensive coordinator higher until after the bowl game, obviously. I, I, I'm sure – you know, I know Muschamp has had conversations. I've heard the NC State offensive coordinator as well, which I don't know how much that really that really plugs into what South Carolina does either. I mean, I don't know if they're really a tempo team. I remember when South Carolina played them in Charlotte, um, I thought they were kind of more of a, you know, play action type offense. I but feel like they were pretty, you know, similar to South they Carolina. Really, I mean, I'll get, you know, and they did have a pretty good day against South Carolina. I'm not going to lie to you. They had a pretty good day. Um but I don't know. I, like, again, I don't care really care what the name is. I care more about the scheme they bring with them. So it'll be interesting. Uh, next question from Reddit. This comes from Wemmy Wom Wom Wobble. <laughs> um, would it be wise for Muschamp to take a pay cut and have coordinators at offensive play calling and quarterback rather than have one position that covers both? Um, you know, I'll, I'll take this one. I really don't want Muschamp to take a pay cut. I mean, he's already – like the seventh highest paid head coach in the, in the conference. So, I mean, I, I, South Carolina has the money to give him what they're giving him. There's no question. Um, and, you know, as far as, you know, they already have a quarterback coach and they're going to have an offensive coordinator that's going to call the play, you know, that is going to call the plays. So I, I'm not sure if, you know, kind of what you're asking there, but, you know, I, I think Muschamp's going to make the best possible hire for the position. I don't doubt that. I, like, like we mentioned earlier, I think he knows just how important this hire is. Um, another one from Reddit, Gamecock21. Do you think Jake's recent decline from his first season is based on teams having tape on him, or was he not properly developed by coaching staff enough? Tyler, I'll let you start with that one. Um, that's a good question. I'd probably go with the second uh, part of that where it's just not properly developing. Um, I don't it's, – it's so hard to look at and say, you know, what was different from year one to year two. Because it, you know, it looked like the same exact quarterback. Um, you'd have to say it's development. I don't think he's a bad quarterback, and I don't think there was something that teams saw on tape where they're just like, "Oh man, we figured him out." You know, there it is. Um, I don't. I would assume it's development. Um, I saw a lot this week about you know having Bobby Bentley at quarterbacks coach and having somebody 
you know, that could actually coach him. Because I think Kurt Roper was was the uh, quarterbacks coach or acting quarterbacks coach. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that was right. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think that might have something to do with it. I, you know, the good thing about Kurt Roper being gone, you can see whether we'll definitely know next year whether or not Kurt Roper is horrible or Jake Bentley's horrible. You know, I feel like that's yeah, going to be a huge, sure. a huge factor. <clears throat> yeah, I know for sure. I definitely think, um, you know, I definitely think it was the development. I mean, I just think you look at Jake Bentley in his first season and the limited time that he had, you know, what you saw in his first season was a guy that had talent was raw, you know, obviously very young, um, but wasn't thinking a whole lot. I feel like he just kind of went out there and played. I don't really think he was going through progressions or was trying to manage, you know, all of the playbook or whatever. It was just a guy kind of out there, a talented kid, obviously really raw, but is making plays. I mean, I think the Tennessee, you know, it just looked like a kid just playing football. I thought times at times this year, you know, I don't know if it was because the coaching staff put too much on him or he was thinking too much and put too much pressure on himself, but it just looked like at times he just, he got in his own head. Um, and, you know, I definitely think it's on the coaching staff when, you know, when you have a kid this young, what is he, 19 years old? I mean, you, you get a, you bring a kid in and it's your, your job to mold him into, you know, what's going to best fit your offense, how to make him the best possible quarterback he can be. And yeah, I agree with you. I don't know that Kurt Roper, I, I don't think Kurt Roper and staff really did that. Um, so like you said, I mean, next year is going to tell us a lot. I mean, you kind of get a whole off season of a new offensive scheme, new lingo, and, you know, you're really going to find out how good Jake Bentley is next year for sure. Um, so I think it'll be very, very interesting to kind of see that progression. Um, with that being said, we're pretty much going to wrap it up. I know we've got, Tyler, some other tidbits as far as Gamecock basketball. I know you're the Gamecock basketball guru, but I've been watching a little bit here and there. Um, South Carolina just got the win over Limestone the other day, like a 30-point win, I think, in a game which they definitely struggled early. I was watching that one. Oh, yeah. um, rallied. I think they went on like a 20-2 run in the first half and then kind of never looked back. But um, overall, I think what they finished 9-3 and three out of conference or so, had a had a really horrific loss at Clemson, which they lost by like 20. So we won't, <laughs> we won't dive into that one too much. But just uh, been a team that's been very, very sporadic, very kind of up and down, had a last-second um, – Last second win over Coastal Carolina a couple weeks ago. So, you know, definitely the losses of, Sin, you know, Cinderius Thornwell, Dwayne Notice, P.J. Dozier, you know, they're definitely noticeable, no pun intended. Um, but South Carolina opens conference play on New Year's Eve at Ole Miss. You know, Tyler, just from what you've seen, you know, thus far, I know that we were both talking and we really haven't had a chance to watch too many of the games. Um, but for, just from the limited action you've seen thus far, what are your feelings for South Carolina basketball you know, heading into conference play. You know, I've had – you said what I've seen. I've seen literally zero minutes of South Carolina basketball this year. It's either been uh, listening to it on the radio on the way somewhere. I've been so busy uh, or just reading about uh, the game afterwards. But it seems like uh team's really struggling because they're playing so many young guys and guys that haven't played. And, you know, they're struggling for an identity right now. Uh, Chris Silva's been really good. Um you know, I know Limestone. He had he got into foul trouble super early, uh, and I I think South Carolina's down uh, several points uh, midway through the first quarter when I was listening to it, um, and then they went on a twenty two run to close the half, uh, and really never looked back after that. Uh, Frank Booker has been a tremendous uh, 
asset because he I've, he shoots unbelievable. What South Carolina could have done last year having a guy like that uh, in the postseason because that would have been unbelievable. But, you know, he doesn't really do anything other than shoot threes or, you know, anything on the defensive end or driving to the basket or anything like that. Um, so you have a niche player there, um, you know, just other guys. Kotsar and Silva, I feel like, have, have held their own. But then you look at the two guard spots and small forward, and you're trying to figure out, you know, who could play and who can't. Um, and just super young. I feel like this this uh, team is going to have to uh, be patient going through uh, conference season. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I've, I've obviously had limited time watching as well. But, you know, I know the games that I've watched were – you know, Clemson and early against Limestone where they've, you know, the one thing I said on Twitter, on my personal Twitter account is that, you know, the, the, the bad thing about being a team that relies on the three-point shot is when you can't make it, it's really, really ugly. And when South Carolina, like against Clemson, when they got blown out, um, they could not make the three-point shot. And a lot of times I think they're settling for the three-pointer instead of going inside. So, I mean – I think it's going to be interesting in conference play. They're going to have to find a way, like you said, to get more production out of their guards. Um, Hassani, grab it. I think it hurts. Obviously, we learned today that Rakeem Felder uh, will be back in school in January but will not play this season. Frank Martin made that announcement today. Um, so I, that one definitely hurts. Um, you had um, – God, what is his name? Just slipped my mind. Had hamstring problems all season. Um Jeez, who, who am I talking about? <laughs> no, I can't think of his name. Um, Corey Holden. Corey Holden. Corey, yep, Corey Holden. Yeah, Corey Holden has been, you know, lingering injuries all year long. The guy they could definitely use. So, um, I, you know, for this young team, like I said, they're extremely young. I think it's going to be kind of a rocky road in conference play. But, they, you know, you never know. I mean, I didn't really know what to expect from them last year either. Kind of showed out. But there's going to be somebody step up and kind of be the go-to guy. Like I said, Silva's had a good – Good showing thus far. Frank Booker's a pretty good player, but I think they just got to be more consistent shooting the basketball. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, so, like I said, the Gamecocks open conference play at Ole Miss. Um, you know, so it should be a fun ride. So we'll see what happens. Um, baseball season will be coming up soon as well. Obviously, we're not going to jump into that until probably uh, late January, early February. But, um you know, with that being said, also, you know, one thing we didn't mention, Hayden Hurst did declare for the NFL draft, as we all know. So this will be his last game as a Gamecock. We wish him nothing but the best. Um, you know, besides that, I think that's about it, Todd. Do you have any other – anything that I missed? Or I, obviously there was a ton of stuff that we – ton of stuff to cover the last month. But uh, any last words or anything we might have missed? I think we got everything, to be honest. All right, perfect. Well, obviously, if you're going down to Tampa, have fun. If you're not – be sure to tune in ESPN2, uh, noon Eastern kick again from Tampa, Florida. The Gamecocks take on the Michigan Wolverines in the 2018 Outback Bowl. Uh, we'll be back next week to recap the game, go through everything, uh, talk about what happened. Until then, we appreciate you guys listening. As always, I'm Chris Phillips. He's Tyler Clark. We appreciate you guys listening. We'll catch you next time.
Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.